0: Welcome back. Hey, I got a really fun announcement for all of you. Um, so Julie and I woke up this morning, which is always nice. <laughs> and uh, we <laughs> went uh, did our morning. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Let's be honest. You know, well, look, anytime you wake up and you We're look here. at. Well, yeah, that's it. Show up. <laughs> we woke up this morning. Uh, you know right. what, Julie? That might be the extent of the podcast. I don't even want to think how many few years from now. Like <laughs> Tim and Julie, <laughs> 30 years. Good morning. Goodbye. You made (laughs) it. Well, so, um, well, the old saying is, right, anytime you wake up and you're looking at the green side of the grass, it's a great day. That's definitely true. Well, so we woke up this morning, did our morning routine, and then we... um, just kind of logged in because we don't we, – and, and Julie and I are not uh, – we do not l- read much social and whatnot. We are not tuned in. We do not watch the news. Do not listen to the you know, radio. Do not read the newspaper. Do not give a rat's ass about anything that's mass media. We just totally and completely ignore it and avoid it. Um, I knew the book, I, so I have been checking on uh, Harris Rules, and I got an email from somebody saying, congratulations, your book is now a number one new release, and I, ch- I logged in, and there it was, number one new release, Harris Rules. Now, the book, now here's what's really cool. Our previous book became a bestseller, um, became then an international bestseller, which we weren't expecting. It was kind of weird to see people in Ireland and Scotland and even Italy buying the book. That was fun. But then um, <laughs> we had people in, like, Africa buying the book. This was you know, a few years ago. So this new book is in pre-release. In other words, it's become um, a number one new release, and it's not even starting to ship. It's going to not start to ship, I think, until next week. So there's been so many books that have been ordered that it's already, I think, going to outsell the previous book by a large margin. Why is that happening? It's because I think, and I'm quite confident that we're correct about this, real estate agents are looking for some sort of real solution to the onslaught of technologists and really you know, high-flying bullshit artists that have been out there for the last 15 years selling you guys false hopes. How about that? It's true. The big team thing. Oh, well, the big team thing. I thought that was supposed to be the road I was on. Well, it turns out there's no profit in big teams, and nobody else other than Julie and I were telling you that. So now a lot of you have made that mistake or seen other people make that mistake and people are licking their wounds and they're saying well why the hell didn't the big team work and a lot of them are you know i was just talking about this on our hcca call our harris certified coach call you know it's not because you guys were if your big team failed or is failing if you're not making any profit i am going to give you and i mean this from the bottom of my heart you are not the defective item in the thing. You, as the person who put the team together, you're not the problem. The problem is the model. It's not your model. It's the team model. There's no profit in it. It's a dumb business model. I heard a statistic yesterday from a really good friend of mine who, by the way, his primary business is coaching people to form teams, right? And he said, statistically, that 94% of all teams fail, but the remaining 6%, they make margins of less than 10%. (laughs) I didn't tell you that, Julie. Um, so there's a there's a very an absolutely nut job statistic that when you wrap your mind around that, you have gotta realize the insanity of it. Well, we're not done. Then uh, what else has been happening in the last you know decade or so? Well, we have social networking. Oh, we have buying Facebook leads. We have Instagram. We have you know doing a bunch of videos. We have all of this gimmicky crap, and. It's been so overwhelming for so many agents. And I've always felt sorry for the newest agents to get into the business because they're like, what the hell did I walk into? I'm getting all these emails and all these calls from people trying to sell me leads or sell me, oh, I got to get my branding done or my website done. And you guys intuitively have to know that all that stuff is just a gimmick, and it is. And they know statistically that most of you will be in and out of the business Within like 24 or 34, something like that, less than three years, most agents fail. Most small business owners fail too. Like I think according to the SBA, it's over 90% fail within 24 months or something. So the failure rate in real estate is commensurate with the failure rate in overall small businesses, you know. But why does that happen? Because people in general, small business owners, real estate agents, are never told the truth or at least the people telling the truth. So let's – Julie and I tell the truth about what it actually takes – But it's, we don't have a, there's no, we sell coaching that reinforces what we're saying. But because there's so many other people that are out there trying to sell you guys easy button ideas, because that's what you ultimately will find more appealing. It's easier to sell a gimmick that solves solves a perceived problem. For example, most of you do not want to do what we tell you to do. You won't. I know you won't. And eventually you'll try enough gimmicky ideas, and and if you're still standing in real estate, you will then come back to Julie and I, and you'll say, "Okay, now I'm actually really ready to take my business seriously." Now, if you're smart, you'll skip that medium, that middle step, and you'll just go right to learning to do what you don't want to do, and you don't want to do it at the highest level, and you'll save the the consternation and the pain and the wasting of money. So, are you following me, listeners? So it's just Julie and I in our coaching organization, and this little strange, you know, tribe of people. You know, 24,000 people of, of you guys listened yesterday. That's not a lot considering there's 2 million agents in the country, but still it's a shit ton when you consider what percentage that is. The reality is, of it is at this point in your lives, in the industry, in our economy, and what's going on in the world, if you're not being proactive about learning skills, you will be replaced. If you want to worry about the I buyers and, and the, all the commission cutters and the, and the fact that Buyers Agents Commissions are probably going to be the next thing that are going to go away. We warned you about that two years ago on this show, by the way. And all those other types of things, the only defensible ground that you're going to have is going to be becoming a a very skilled listing agent. That's the only defensible ground because everything else is going to be attacked, is being attacked. Brokerages, come on now, what are you doing? Why are you small brokerage? You guys aren't making any money, less than 3%. You know, we've got Steve Murray from Real Trends, who's, I think, the number one expert on actual, you know, having a broad swath of information about the lack of profitability from teams and brokerages, he's gonna be interviewed very soon on our podcast, on this show. And he's gonna we had him on before and, you know, I asked him the question. He wasn't expecting it. He came with his talking points and I was like, Okay, we're not gonna do that. We're gonna talk about this and he was so elegant and wonderful and Shared the information and said things that rattled the industry because people were not ready to have somebody at his level, okay, I get Tim and joy they 're saying you know the average brokerage only makes two or three percent, but you know they have an agenda they 're trying to sell coaching, okay, well, maybe true, but then we had him on, and you guys were all like, What <laughs> and the average team makes like six or seven percent what so an average team, you work your ass off, your commissions for your team is a million dollars. As a team leader, someone who's taking all the risk, you're going to make sixty or $70,000 before taxes. Yes, that's what that means. Does that make sense to you? And yet, that's what everyone's telling you to do, except us. So, that's the reason I think Harris Rules is obviously going to be a huge success. If you've, and Harris Rules and Julie, and I mean this with all of my heart, you did a, and she did virtually all of the work on the book. The concepts are all Julie and I's throughout the whole book, and frankly, the evolution from all of our bazillions of coaching calls, but the actual real work was from Julie and her three editors, Um, so, you know, Julie, congratulations for doing such a fantastic job on that, yes, so bottom line, guys, go to Amazon, the book, I think uh, next week, it's going to be, they're going to raise the price, the publisher is going to raise the price, not Tim and Julie, and um, we have no control over it, you know, and so go to Amazon, and order the book now because I think next week they're going to raise the price by like 50%. It's I think discounted right now because it's in pre-order, and then once it's officially for sale, then there you go. So I'm giving you a suggestion right now: grab the book as fast as you can. It's go to Amazon, um, Harris Rules, and order your book. It gets they start getting shipped next week. I heard rumors that the first round of books. Uh, are going to be sold out. Um, I'm sure they'll print more, obviously. But in the meantime, that's your homework from today's podcast. I think they have the book for sale now for 13 or 14 bucks, So go and grab it. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the old book had, you know, over 300 five-star reviews. And I'm sure this one will as well. And in the meantime, if you guys need a free coaching call, which a lot of you will, because <laughs> um, you're looking for direction, you know essentially the path you've been on is not going to get you to where you really want to be. I strongly encourage you to take advantage of our offer for a free coaching call, and just text the word Harris, H A R R I X. Why do I say X? I'm an idiot. Text the word Harris, H A. Isn't that weird? Text the word Harris, H A R R I S, to three one nine nine six. So text the word Harris, H A R R I S, to three one nine nine six. Not only will you be entitled. To a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches, but you're also going to be given it's like six or seven free books. But the one in particular, they're all great. Uh, the one in particular, which is the one you all need to download right away, is the Real Estate Treasure Map. That's your fill in the blank business plan. When Julie, and it explains how to, you know, essentially it's goal setting, that's the obvious part, but it's not just writing your goals down. It's not, we don't take touchy-feely, will-will approaches to anything we teach. So we're not talk, there's not going to be a lot – no dream boards or things like that, okay? What we're doing is we're giving – you're going to say – and when you're making your goals, you're not just going to write down what your goal is, but you're going to be kind of forced to go through this exercise of co-creating with us through the book an action plan and then a deadline as to when that goal will be accomplished. That's the missing element, by the way, in a lot of your goal setting. You guys just write things down, but there's no action plan to accomplish it, no deadline when it will be accomplished by but we also go through your finances. We go through your and all of it. Now, a big mistake that people make is if you're married, have a partner, whatever, make sure you're doing this with them. Don't just be autonomous and do it yourself, because you want to be working as a, um, you know, as a family unit in order to accomplish the mutual family goals. That's again, we get, you know, Julie and I've been married almost 30 years, and we get that question a lot. Like, how do you guys work together and married and da, da 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 And, you know, maybe we should do a book on that too. But the answer is so obvious. You just basically have shared goals. That's it. You you work towards, uh, you know, communal goals that both of you are motivated by. And that's how you keep the train on the tracks. So you don't have people going in different directions. So, look, anyway, bottom line, go to Amazon, buy Harris Rules, and, uh, Thank you for all of those, I'm guessing it's thousands of you that have already done that, that have made it the number one bestseller on Amazon, and I'm I'm hoping, I'm sorry, number one new release, and I bet you it goes to number one bestseller uh, by the end of next week, if not sooner. All right, that's all I got, Julie. <laughs> your turn.
1: <laughs> all good. Yes. So, back to our topic du jour, which is how to keep your cool when negotiating. We had started this on a previous podcast, so you can go to realestatecoachingradio.com and get caught up, so I don't have to repeat points, but I did want to... Uh, repeat a quote, which is from Robert Estabrook. He said, he who has learned to disagree without being disagreeable has discovered the most secret of a diplomat. And when you are negotiating in real estate, you should have the mindset of being a diplomat, not what some of your lesser colleagues have, which is let's beat the crap out of the other side. Let's make them cry. Let's make them bleed. Well, you hear all this kind of crap out there. The, but the definition of negotiating is bringing two, part, two or more parties sometimes to a reasonable agreement that benefits both sides. Otherwise, you don't have a deal. It's not making them cry. Okay? So it's being a diplomat, and we talked about some uh, initial points here. I've gotten a lot of great email and comments from agents, uh, some of whom surprised me a little bit, where they've been cranking the volume. Some of this is, a, a, I think, because the market's been pretty hot. Um, You know, there's a whole generation of agents out there who think that negotiating is just picking an offer. It's not always like that, guys, if you haven't figured that out yet. And as your market changes, the nature of your negotiations change with it. So we're going to go to point number four. If you missed the previous ones, get caught up. Uh, You should know the average days in the market for the subject property that you're negotiating on, whether you're on the buyer side or whether you're on the listing side. What's normal for a house like this? And how you treat that may be very different. So if the average days on the market of your listing, it should be taking at least 120 days because it's got lots of competition, pressure from new construction, and you get an offer in the first three or four days, you should be ecstatic and take that you know, to the bank, as they say. Okay? Now, if you are sitting on the market and it should have sold in 30 days, but you're up to almost 180 and you're about to expire, and you haven't done price adjustments, or maybe you have, but you haven't gone deep enough, and you get an offer, well, you know, it might look like a low ball, but when you rerun the comps, maybe it's actually where you should have been priced. So you've got to know the average days on the market for the subject property that you're negotiating on from either side. This also will help you coach your buyers to do the right thing. Okay. So if you have a really hot property, your buyer wants it just like everybody else does, in a hot little neighborhood and average days in the market is like, you know, three days, well, you better not come in low with a bunch of funky stipulations. So know what you're dealing with case by case. Point number five, very similar. Know the average list to sell price ratio for the subject property you're negotiating on. We used to use this all the time. Buyers get it in their head. They want to come in extra low. You would look up the list to sell price ratio. It's actually pretty good, 97 98%. On this type of property over the past reasonable amount of time so you then can coach the buyer you know everyone can look up these statistics the listing agent appraisers me you and in this neighborhood on this type of property, especially in the condition it's in, the seller is expecting ninety seven or ninety eight percent of list price in some of your guys' neighborhoods it's one hundred and three percent for the really hot stuff so your proposed offer is at eighty seven percent of price and we've all seen lots of listings that compete with it. This is priced right. You're coming in at eighty seven percent, the seller knows to expect ninety eight percent. Why would they even consider your offer? You do want to buy the home, don't you? I'm sure Tim you remember using that to get buyers to do the right thing. To show them the stats, not just because you say so, because you can be accused of well who do you work for anyway and that kind of crazy buyer talk. Um but use the facts. To support that. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? For these two points?
0: No, I think that's pretty good. Nothing for me to tack on. Okay. I know you're just trying to have. Right, some, I know no you worries. just asked that question when you want some coffee. Did, did you Did you coffee <laughs> up Mark there? Yeah, I know what you're doing. Yeah, I think <laughs> longtime caffeine. listeners know what you're doing too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Whenever you We're Whenever really you ask my opinion, because you
0: need a break. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> how about that? Oh, okay. How about this? Yesterday. Want your opinion. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> occasionally, rarely. <laughs> so. Um, Yesterday at Orange Theory, Miss Julie here uh, ran at a 12, which if you guys are athletic at all, you I know never. that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, so congratulations on that, by the way. Back to the points.
1: Thank you. And I didn't wipe out. I'd love to tell about it. It's all good. Okay. Or fall off so or get fired against six. the wall. Hey, these are all real concerns there. Um, point number six, know the other client's motivation, not just your clients. Know the other client's motivation, time frame, and situation, Via asking the other agent some of these questions. Are there other offers? Are there cash offers? Does the agent have their own client making an offer? It's not always about the money or only about the money. So make sure you know the other side's motivation. A little caveat to this, and I've been seeing this happen more and more with our premier coaching questions. So sometimes what presents to you as a low ball offer. Is actually a buyer who shouldn't be looking in that price range they're not trying to insult the seller let's say you're at 500 and they come in at 450 maybe they're only qualified to 450 and maybe that's a stretch and their agent should have been showing them stuff for 450 instead of trying to negotiate something for 500 so you've got to also be asking questions about their financing remember last week we talked about the ultimate addendum which drills down on this what is the real skinny on their financing so be sure that you're asking these questions. Is that person motivated by just trying to get a deal and they just love to negotiate and they can live through 10 counteroffers, or can they only qualify for that? Maybe they've got $450,000 exactly in cash. Who knows? You've got to dig deeper. So know the other party's motivation. That goes for when you're on the buyer side knowing about the seller, you know, maybe they're going to be tough on things like a lease back because they're building a house and they're not ready to move yet. Maybe that's, uh, coloring their motivation. And of course, that affects how you negotiate. Point number seven, know the expiration date of the subject property. Is the clock ticking? This might be an interesting little factoid on either side, whether you're on the listing or the buyer side. So is the, when is the expiration date happening? So, uh, and also, that means if you do, when you do get it in contract and it's close to that expiration date, make sure that your protection period is in place, listing agents so that you have time to get it closed and then get paid. Point number eight, know what the options are for your client. How many homes are on the market like this one? What's the absorption rate? So what are the options, again, from both standpoints? So if your buyer loses this one, was this the only thing that met their criteria? If that's the case, maybe you write a stronger offer. If your seller has other options like keeping it as a rental, turning it into a vacation rental, or simply not moving, have you had those conversations? You know, one of the scripts is if it doesn't sell or if you don't get your price, what does that do to your plans? No, well, we'll just stay here. We'll just turn it into a rental, okay? You gotta have those conversations because it might affect how you negotiate. Point number nine, understand that negotiation, I talked about this already, means that both parties come to an acceptable agreement, not an all-out war of volatility. Keep calm and carry on. Be the rock. One of the compliments that I remember the most, Tim, you remember these clients they bought, uh, I think it was one of our biggest closings ever. We had both sides of new construction and I think it closed around a million one. Um, They were relocating executives. There was a lot of back and forth with the builder. Just all kinds of things going on with the transaction. And I remember I was a little bit intimidated by these clients because this was a pretty big deal for us because they were quite direct. They were both very professional, and I liked them a lot too. And one of the things that he said to me, I remember he put his arm around me when we were doing a walkthrough, and I'm like, all right, where's this going? He said, I want you to know that through all this transaction, you've been the rock. You've held it together. And I thought that was a really nice compliment for a pretty stressful deal because I I had to learn how to do that I wasn't always like that. I have have distinct memories of our old broker walking in and saying, you know what your problem is? You expect all the deals to go smoothly. Expect everything to be drama all the time and then be happy when it's not, and then he'd walk off. So this is something we have to work on. But I do remember that, and that stuck with me that you've got to be the leader in the transaction and not be part of the problem. And then point number 11, and then we'll be done with these negotiation points. This is perhaps should have been number one. Keep my ego in check. Do what's best for my client first, and don't practice, quote, self-agency. Self-agency is when you only are thinking about your commission check. Be of service, and you always win. So what's best for your client? You know, agents make some kind of crazy comments from time to time, like, you know, either in their head or worse, out loud. Remember, on the buyer side, if they like it, you love it. You don't have to live there. Maybe you hate everything about this house. You hate the color. You hate the elevation. You hate the floor plan. You even hate the neighborhood. So what? Do what's right for your client. Do what's best for them. You don't have to live there. Same thing for your sellers. I hear this too much in Premier Coaching. Well, I wouldn't take that deal. I mean, they're losing so much money or they're losing so much of their down payment. Or I think I could probably get them maybe a little bit more if we just negotiate harder. It's not about you. It's about what the client wants. Sometimes they'll say, Take it and you are ready to go to the Mat. Just say yes well, to my Petula, pleasure to handle that for you.
0: A lot of agents will make the mistake of making it so that uh they'll try to seduce buyers to work with them in particular by bragging about how they're gonna make the other side miserable, right? Uh, yes, and it, that you guys right. think that's a you think that's some sort of attribute you know, Mr. Buyer, you want to work with me because, you know, I'm going to be the, you know, I'm going to be Mel Gibson and Braveheart. And I'm going to, you know, <laughs> paint my face blue and take scalps for you and <laughs> blah, 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 blah. a lot. First of all, the type of buyer you're going to attract if that's your, you know, that's the type of uh person that person is, you better be careful. <laughs> but secondarily, that is really about your ego because the truth is, they don't really they just want a damn house. Most consumers, they're just they're just more than, that's it. That's their motivation. They want a stress-free proposition. And what you're doing by bringing your, that approach, your drama to the, re, the relationship and the transaction, you're causing them to experience the exact opposite of what they wanted to experience from you. A, real, a good, smooth transaction that does not have drama is what they want. And by the way, it's a hell of a lot easier for you too. Because if you attract some Yahoo buyer to you, that wants to have you be their braveheart, right? And where by the way it doesn't end well for Braveheart, if you remember correctly, he ends up on the uh you know the torture table, having his guts pulled out, well, that's probably what's going to happen to you, not literally, hopefully, but the idea being that you're not going to get a deal, because that person who you attracted, who was so, you know, that mindset of, oh, I want you to make the other side bleed, well, they're probably going to be some of the worst people you ever work with, too, because you're never going to get the, you're never going to satisfy their bloodlust to make for a really painful transaction for the seller, and experienced listing agents, when they get that approach, or somebody makes a real aggressive offer, and any kind of even you know moderate market, it doesn't even have to be a hot seller's market, they're not going to take you seriously, and you're not going to end up getting paid, and you're going to end up losing that buyer because you didn't end up actually selling them a house, which goes back to the point I was trying to make, is what these people are hiring you to do is just make the transaction smoother, no bring, not bring drama to the deal. I mean, Does that make sense, Julie?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right about that. Too many agents think that that's how you're supposed to be. I don't know where that really comes from. I hope that brokers are not teaching that. I don't well, think that they are. You, you know where I it's think coming some from. The They're trying shows, to rationalize their I value. Think, yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. That's they it. have like wealth guilt or something like that. Um, well, and I, it doesn't know, have to be –
0: it doesn't have to be a mindset issue. It's just that they don't they're trying to basically create value in the eyes of the buyer that look you work with me and I'll you know, this is what I'm gonna do, so I'm gonna save you money and we're gonna get you that, you know, tiki hut in the backyard for free. I mean they're trying to basically instill they think that's what the buyers want, but that isn't what the buyers want. You guys who are, again, selling that way or trying to sell your services that way, just notice how infrequently that actually works. Just stop doing it because you're delivering to that buyer the exact opposite. Well, any real buyer doesn't want drama. A real buyer just wants a smooth deal where you can get them the house. You know, That's what they want. They want to know that you have the ability to get the deal done uh, and make it so that they experience the least amount of stress as possible. And again, if you attract the Yahoo buyer that likes that type of pitch, chances are they're never going to buy anything from you anyway, a.k.a. investor types and things like that. So just keep all these things in mind, guys. The drama aspects of the real estate – and I'm sh- actually, I think this is a good point to wrap this topic, Julie. There's um, – mm-hmm. I don't remember where this is from. I always say a Chinese proverb when I don't remember when I heard something, so I'll just say that again. So there's an old <laughs> Chinese proverb that says it's too soon to tell. And the too soon to tell – way of living is very effective at keeping your ego in your in the drama of your life. So I'll explain it. Don't over the wins. Celebrate them, but don't over them and don't over over wallow in the in the losses. You have to tell yourself constantly in life that it's too soon to tell. So why? If you overcelebrate the wins, and then you come from this really ridiculous, oh I got the listing, and then later the seller decides they don't want to sell it, you now have to emotionally go from this ridiculous peak to this ridiculous trough, because you're not, you ha- you haven't told yourself it's too soon to tell. So when you have a win, and you take that listing, you guys say, okay good job, I took the listing, you know, and then that's it, it's too soon to tell. Well, you know, everyone, you go back to the office and, you know, the number, you know, normal agent's going to walk in like, you know, they're a returning, you know, Caesar, right? And the red carpet's rolled out. Well, oh, somebody took a listing or, you know, what, uh, you as a mature, responsible, you know, focused on what's best for the consumer and know your mindset has to be to be of service. You tell yourself, I appreciate the praise, but it's too soon to tell. Now, same thing. If you have something that blows up, a deal that you know you put your a lot of work into, and just for whatever reason something doesn't happen, don't just go and you know think about hanging yourself from the highest tree. Just tell yourself it's too soon to tell, because you could get another offer that's even better than the first one the next single the next day. It's too soon to tell. Just constantly remind yourself of that, and it keeps your emotions between the lines. Now, why do you want to do that? What burns you out? What prematurely ages you, what causes you all kinds of health problems are these ridiculous peaks and valleys that we experience emotionally that if you've ever read anything about physiology – we're not really designed – our bodies aren't really designed to have those big releases of the types of chemicals that, get, that, that our bodies produce when we are experiencing high highs and low lows. And if you experience those in, uh, you know, frequently and you're constantly putting your body through this up and down motion, you will – I'm telling you the ramifications. You guys already intuitively know this. I know you know what I'm saying is true because a lot of you are living that way. You feel tired. You feel grouchy. Your hormones are screwed up. You have a, then a tendency to, you know, you're, you gain weight. You, you da, 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 all these things. So the too soon to tell thing is almost like a, a Zen way, if you want to think of it that way, of approaching the drama that often ensues amongst people in agents in particular who are operating at a lower level than hopefully many of you are considered. After listening to today's show about negotiating, so and yesterday and the day before, us, by the way, so again, I'm going to go back um, and thank you, Julie. I know you're on your premier uh, coaching call, and thank all of you for continuing to make this number one listen to daily podcast in the real estate industry. It is truly, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, our honor to be in a position to help so many of you. It is 100% in alignment with what we, our stated mission professionally is to be, which is service to. You guys, we our job, our mission is to make your lives better. And hopefully, and I obviously it is, our information is allowing you to have richer, fuller lives where you're, you can embrace this wonderful gift that God gave all of us, which is our lives, right? And provided that all of you are keeping your head screwed on straight and you're realizing that truthfully this is one of the best opportunities as far as businesses you could be associated with, real estate, if you, again, focus on listings, focusing on being of service to other people, focusing on doing what you don't want to do what you don't want to do at the highest level, what you can accomplish in this life, in this role in life, is limitless. You can have spectacular lives as long as you don't you keep it between the lines. Remember to tell yourself it's too soon to tell. And keep your ego in check. And do the real work. You know, when Julie wrote the book, it took her – eighteen months to do and she worked on every single day on a discipline. You know, she had other responsibilities, coaching clients, helping running the business, all the other things. But she did that every single day. She did that, and she got it done, and now the book's going to be a fantastic success. You have to do the same thing when you're building skill sets, when you're learning how to be a powerful listing agent, and all these other things. That's what we're here to help you do. If you guys would like a free coaching call, just text the word Harris H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. Text the word Harris to 31996. And, uh, yeah, you'll be entitled to a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches and also get those free books. So if you guys need us for anything at any time, remember, you can always email us, Tim at com or Julie at com. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow.